You are now listening to Bookish. The canon continues. The podcast that's dismantling the sacred secular divide with your host, Michelle Collins. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Bookish. The canon continues. I am your host, Michelle Collins. And this is on the road edition, Bookish. The canon continues. Um, as I may have mentioned, I am currently moving across the country. Um, and as such, I am traveling right now. My household is being moved, but I have to move myself. And so I've been driving across the country, stopping here and there along the way to visit with friends and family and to see things I've not seen yet. And so I am actually recording from a hotel room because you got to stay on schedule. It's a requirement. People have expectations for things to come out on time. And so I'm having to record from a hotel room. Now, you may be hearing a noise in the background, and I apologize for that. I've tried numerous ways to turn off the air conditioner in this room, and apparently it doesn't want to turn off. Um, That would not be a problem most of the time because it is, after all, Texas that I'm in right now, and it's incredibly warm. However, you're going to be hearing that, and I do apologize. Um, Such is the life on the road trying to continue with your normal activities. Um, But I'm so happy to be here with you. I am going to be talking about a book today that I have actually read numerous times. It's completely dog-eared. I've referred back to it multiple times in my own writing, uh, in my discussions, um, on other podcasts, because the book has definitely made an impact on me. It is a business book, quite honestly. Um, but I found so much more to it rather than the business perspective. And I, I hope as I go along, you'll, you'll see as well, um, the connection that it has to the spiritual, to deconstruction and to us as individuals, as we are going through life and finding ourselves in those places of questioning, those times of questioning. Um, so let me tell you about the, the book. The book is called Real Power, Stages of Personal Power in Organizations, as I said, business book. Um, The author is Janet O. Hagberg. And again, this book was presented to me while I was working on my life coaching certification. Um, It took me most of last year to finalize that. And this book was a part of that um, discussion. And we referred back to it a lot of times. Um, So I want to read you a little bit about the book, and then I'll jump in and kind of go through things probably pretty quickly. I don't I don't have a lot of time and that noise is going to drive me crazy. So I hope it's, it's something that you can overlook. Um, this is her introduction. She says, this book is about power, real power, the kind of inner power you develop after you think you have everything figured out. And it is about true leadership, transformational leadership that allows you to go beyond ego and gender to lead from your soul. So again, I'm going to err on the first part of that introduction that it's about power and the kind of power you develop after you think you have it all figured out. Um, It's an incredibly interesting book. As I said, she wrote this to people in different organizations because as we progress through life, we actually do acquire our power from different places. Um, And I'm sure that'll make sense as we go along, but I also want to liken it back to um, deconstruction and our relationship with God, our relationship with the church and with one another. Um, so I have a few quotes here. The first one, personal power results from combining external power or the capacity for action with internal power, the capacity for reflection. It's a combination of those two things. Uh, it's, it's basically on a continuum. So like 
on one end of the spectrum, you have very little personal power. And at the end of the spectrum, you have a great deal of personal power. However, what you find as you go through this is that everything is cyclical. Um, and when you get to the point where you, that last stage, and, and I'll discuss the different stages, but when you get to that last that last stage, what you find is that you are once again back to powerlessness, which is the first stage. And it's a whole different look at it then. So it, it, it's incredibly interesting. And there's just so much here. Um, I get something new out of it every time I go through it, every time I discuss it. And quite honestly, it's become very much an emotional discussion for me with regard to this book. Um, I will tell you, and I'll probably remind you at the end, uh, once I go through the book, if you're interested in a bigger explanation or a bigger discussion on this book, I actually am also the co-host of another podcast uh, with my good friend, Seth Showalter. That podcast is called Mental, and we actually have spent five weeks discussing this. We have uh, That podcast comes out every Saturday. We've spent five Saturdays discussing this exact subject matter and going much more in depth than what I'm going to be able to do here. Um, but I just thought it was such a great book to be able to introduce you to the subject matter and allow you to ascertain if it's something that speaks to you on a on an inner level as, as it pertains to your belief systems and your relationships. Um, so I'm going to, hmm, where to start? There's just so much here. Um, so let's talk about the different stages. Uh, she has six different stages that she discusses. The first one I think I've already mentioned is powerlessness. The second stage is power by association, then power by achievement, power by reflection, power by purpose, and power by wisdom. Now, in the midst of this little journey through the different stages of power, there is a phenomenon that she refers to as the wall, generally takes place between the power of reflection and the power of purpose. Um, it is my contention that the power of reflection is where that deconstructive process begins for many of us. As we begin to question our beliefs or our life or, you know, everything about ourselves, that it's by that per, uh, power that we receive, you know, that we, our power comes from that reflection. So when we hit that stage and we start looking back at ourselves, that's when those questions begin to come. And that's when we run headlong into that wall. Now, each one of these stages, of course, has outward appearance, outward characteristics, but it also has a shadow side. Now that makes it sound very negative. And to be honest, those traits can be perceived as negatives, but they're a part of us. And so we have to, we have to look at them objectively and decide how we handle them as we're going along. I also feel very stringently that, uh, I have to keep reminding that there is no judgment with any of these stages. We're not saying that any of them are bad or wrong or better than the other stages, just that they are different. And again, I'll remind you of that probably a few times as we go along, because I really struggled with that idea. I really perceived specifically one of the stages as very negative. It's the way it felt like it was presented to me. And I, I pushed back and kind of argued on that a lot. Um, I have a better understanding of it now, but again, it'll be very easy for you to draw some kind of judgment here. And I'm going to ask you to suspend judgment and just use evaluation so that you can see the good and the bad in each of these stages and really identify, um, you know, where your place is in the midst of the spectrum of power. 
Um, so again, powerlessness, power by association, power by achievement, power by reflection, power by purpose, and power by wisdom. And we will talk about that wall because I really feel like that is one of the most important parts of this discussion. So, but let's start with powerlessness. I mean, this, this seems to be quite easy to understand. Typically we start our lives in a place of powerlessness. We're not able to feed ourselves or dress ourselves or protect ourselves or to care for ourselves on any kind of level. So yes, of course we are powerless at that point, but as we age, we also go through periods of time in which we feel very powerless. Um, you know, maybe we've lost a job or we've been, um, unfairly accused of something. Uh, it, all of those things are, are potential places that we can stumble into this pit of powerlessness and feel as though there's nothing we can do to help ourselves. Um, and, and she makes that point. We all feel powerless at times. So you can kind of identify at least slightly with this stage. It may not be what you're experiencing now, which is awesome, but we can all remember that, um, that feeling of being dependent, especially as children. And then maybe even as we age, and uh, are going through life, just, you know, events happen, things happen that allow us or disallow us to find any kind of sense of power. Um, it's kind of a home stage. It, I don't know if that's a good, if that's a good description. That's what comes to mind for me. Um, for those, for any people that are experiencing or have experienced in the past any kind of an addiction, an addictive personality, an obsessive personality, physical addictions, substance addictions, anything like that, you'll understand this stage because it, it literally is the first place you have to start and say, I am powerless. That is actually, I believe, if you go to a Narcotics Anonymous or an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, a Gamblers Anonymous, any of the anonymous meetings, one of the first things that they that they um, suggest is that you have to come to a place of powerlessness and admit that you have no power over the situation. It's, and that's vitally important because the problem with addictions is that we're constantly trying to control and we have to come to a place where we realize control is gone. Now, again, I said that this actually can apply to our spiritual life as well. And I'd like you to think back with your experience, uh, primarily with Christianity, that's my my tradition, so that's what I'm going to speak to. Um, but there was a place in Christianity in which we had to come to the end of ourselves, so to speak. And, and maybe those were the words that you heard. But we have to we have to see ourselves as incapable of protecting ourselves once again, or securing our eternity, or you know, handling our problems. We actually come to a place where we're basically on our knees and we understand that we need God. So this, this stage of powerlessness is something that almost every one of us has probably experienced, even on the religious level or the spiritual level, that feeling that we actually need God, that we're not able to handle all of this on our own. Um, it's... It's difficult. I, I think about all of these stages and I start getting a little overwhelmed because they're, they're emotional and they're painful. Um, and then there's also those moments of triumph with each one of them. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about some of the characteristics at this stage. Uh, basically, you're dependent. Pretty much covered that. <laughs> you're not capable of handling yourself. Um, 
regardless of what perspective we're looking at it from, theological, spiritual, you know, age, whatever the case may, may be. Uh, so an important struggle at this stage is to desire less dependence, but to not know how to become independent, right? And it's a risk, uh, a great deal of fear, confusion associated with this stage, and a lack of knowledge. So, you know, we find ourselves sitting around trying to figure out how to progress. And that's the interesting thing about all of these stages is you don't sit down and complete a task list and then jump to the next stage. It's not how it works. I'll also warn you, uh, before we go much further here, that you can revisit these stages. Uh, and I absolutely, almost positively will revisit these stages depending on the circumstances in your life. But the great thing about it is each time you revisit a stage, you're coming in with so much more experience and a newer perspective. And the time that you spend there is probably less and less and less traumatic than it probably was the first time. Um, so at this stage, we're pretty uninformed. Uh, there's probably a lack of self-esteem. Um, now I will tell you that in the last few days in discussing this with, um, my friend, Seth, we talked a lot about a feeling, uh, a feeling of poor self-image, low self-esteem. Those are things that I struggle with and have struggled with most of my life. So if I think about it too long, I can think, wow, I'm still stuck in this stage. I don't think that's true. I think that I just revisit that, that feeling often and I'm, I'm learning how to traverse it better, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the great thing about this. It's, it's almost, I hesitate to use this example, but it's almost like a reincarnation of yourself. Each time you're going back to a stage, you're coming back with a little more information. And so you're actually able to, to handle it a little better. Um, so I want to talk about the shadow of stage one. And this is one of those things that kind of angered me when I was first approached with this. The first one is um, holding on to a victim stance. And when I heard that, my thought was, so you're saying that everything bad that's happened to me is inconsequential and that I should just forget it. And I immediately got very defensive and tried to justify why I was still feeling that way. Um, what this means is that there's no judgment as far as your feelings concerned with being a victim, you are, you are absolutely correct that you've experienced things in your life that have victimized you. But we have a choice as to whether we stay there and live in that victim mentality or whether we choose to learn from it and move on. And that can take a while. This was one of the things that really was difficult for me as I was going through the life's, uh, life coaching certification. I actually was also working with a life coach at that time. And that was the one thing that, that he really had to work with me on because I was so defensive around this, um, that I had a right to feel hurt over the things that happened, that I had been treated poorly by people and abusively by people. And because of that, I, it was part of who I was. And I have to separate myself from the emotion of that. Um, but it took me a while to do that. And I think if you're thinking about it, you're probably justifying too, but just take a moment, think about it. I can't fix that, that for you. And you can't tell me that you need my help to fix it. 
unfortunately, all of these stages are something each one of us have to go through on our own. And I wish that wasn't true because it would be really nice if somebody could take the load for a while. <laughs> but yeah, it's so the victim stance is definitely a shadow of this. Um, another shadow of this is addictions. And I mentioned that already. Uh, addictions have a tendency to show up in people that are feeling powerless. Um, it's you trying to gain a sense of power and to have some form of say in the direction of your life. Unfortunately, all you're doing is turning your life over to a substance and the craving of that substance physically, or, you know, the mental craving, if it's not necessarily a physical addiction. So again, pretty simple stage and yet not simple. It's, (laughs) it feels like an easy description, um, but definitely not. So it's a manipulation stage. It's a trapped stage. Um, some, and I'll just briefly, I love this. She provides like a page at the end of each stage to kind of give you a recap. Some of the characteristics are secure and dependent, low in self-esteem, uninformed, helpless, but not hopeless. Um, and ways to move beyond this. Now she does include ways to move beyond that stage. I just feel like that's kind of misleading because each one of us will handle those differently, but I'll read them. Uh, her ways to move forward from this are to build self-esteem because you know, that's so easy. Um, find allies, get support, develop skills, appreciate yourself. Well, that's easy too. Um, share yourself, confront your fears, take responsibility, um, and make changes to your life as it pertains to abusive relationships or jobs that you don't enjoy. You have to confront yourself basically. And everybody knows that is just so comfortable to do. No, I'm kidding. I hope you guys hear sarcasm when I say that things like that, because honestly, (laughs) I'm really sarcastic a lot of the time. But let's go on to the second stage. Um, Stage two is power by association. So, okay, so I'm going to give you an example. So do you remember in Star Wars, um, Luke Skywalker, he wants to be a Jedi Knight, and he has to apprentice, go through the apprentice process with Yoda. And he tries to model his behavior after Yoda. And his training took him like on this long adventure and to a new place within himself and within the community of of Jedi warriors. So like he wanted to be successful fighting. He wanted to work against the dark side. Um, But as his apprenticeship moved along, he realized that he, what he was being asked to do was to confront himself. And yet he wanted to associate with these people that made him feel powerful, like, you know, the other Jedi warriors and, and Yoda. So now let me ask you, who do you have, or who do you know, or look up to in your life that it feels good to say, you know, that person? It feels good to say you've met that person. Come on. We've all done this. We've gone, especially in Christianity, we've gone to Christian conferences and we have stood in line to get our pictures taken with the speakers or to maybe get a cup of coffee with them or to sit with them and to glean some knowledge from them. And it made us feel good. So we posted all of our pictures on social media so that we could show everybody we had met these powerful people. Well, that's what this is. Power by association. We are putting ourselves somehow associated with somebody that we perceive as having power and influence. And by doing so, we feed off of that almost. Now, again, that sounds negative. And I'm going to invite you to remember that there's no judgment with these stages. It's just something we do. It's a human nature tick. Um, We want to be noticed. We want to feel good about the people that we're with. And especially if they're very successful, 
um, we want to be able to say that we know them. So it's so funny when I think back about my Christian experience, because how many conferences I've been to and did this. Um, and every now and then I still meet somebody I take pictures with and I post them on social media. A lot of times now it's because they're friends, but you know, sometimes they still sneak in there. Come on, be honest. You've done this anyway. Um, so you're probably, she talks about that, that you'll revisit this stage more often probably than any other stage. I kind of, have to push back on that a little bit. I, I think that you do revisit this stage, but I think there's another one that tends to be a little more, that tends to show up more often, at least in my life. But but that's what she says here, that this one kind of, it shows up more often than any others. Um, and she says it's her favorite stage, which I kind of find humorous because as I said, it, maybe, maybe it's just the way I'm presenting it, but it seems negative to me. Um, and I have to keep reminding myself that it's not. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about the characteristics of people at this stage. They're apprentices. I mentioned that, you know, by talking about Star Wars, um, you're basically modeling yourself after someone else and learning their culture. You're trying to understand how they do things. So you're kind of dependent upon that person and you're learning almost a new self-awareness. Um, you're learning that you can become like this person, that you do have the key to that. Now, so as I pertain this to Christianity, because I told you I'm going to, I'm going to do this, I'm going to keep going back. Think about the disciples, right? The time of Jesus, Jesus was a rabbi and rabbis at that time would take young men and would mold them and teach them. And when you were a disciple of a rabbi at that time, you actually lived your life exactly as that rabbi did. You modeled your behavior, your speech patterns, your arguments. Everything was modeled after that rabbi. Uh, I'm going to mention another book. If you're really very interested in that subject, fantastic book. Another one that I go back to over and over called Velvet Elvis by Rob Bell. Oh, I know Rob Bell's a big no-no for a lot of people, but that book is fantastic. And he goes into a lot of detail on the rabbi-disciple mentorship and relationship. And really from that culture brings out what's going on. Well, that's what this stage is. It's about modeling ourselves after those that we find um, that, you know, that we've put up on a pedestal, so to speak, as mentors or as leaders or examples of what we would like to be like. So again, now I'm betting that you can guess um, one of the shadows at this stage. Um, she talks about, I'm going to start with one. She talks about recyclers. Uh, she says, I see another group of people who are quite different from the sky's the limit group, and they represent the shadow of stage two. This group I call the recyclers. They enter a career and try to take on the norms, behaviors, and skills of that job or profession. They find people who they think are successful and try to be around them. They use the jargon of the field, even dress the part, yet they do not make it in that field. They do not get, they do not become accepted, get promoted or become well enough recognized. In short, they fail to catch the spark. Or perhaps they get impatient with the process too soon, and they move on. So to her, a recycler is somebody that's doing this process over and over and over with new people that they're looking up to because it's just not working for them for some reason. Um, another thing that can be really very difficult at this stage is almost that hero worship that person can do no wrong, um, which often happens 
we see it and we hear a lot of things in the Christian realm uh, about our leaders falling. Um, and it always causes disarray and hurt for those that have followed them because they've believed in that person so stringently and believed that they couldn't fail, that they couldn't have faults. And then suddenly when they're human, it hurts the people that have followed them. So a, a shadow of this stage is, is identifying too closely with somebody that you fail to see the dangers or the pitfalls of following blindly for them and for yourself. Um, the reality is we're supposed to be individuals. We're unique. And so even if we're following somebody and finding power by associating with them, it should still be molding us into our true self. And that probably will not look exactly like that other person, even though that may be what we want. Uh, so, but that's stage two. Again, I'm going to remind you if you want more details on these stages, there are places you can go. This book is fantastic and gives a lot more detail. Or as I mentioned, um, the podcast mental actually has a much more in-depth conversation surrounding these. So, uh, just to recap the stage of characteristics is basically an apprentice learning culture, dependent on your supervisor or your leader, and basically learning a new self-awareness, um, you also, the shadows of the stage are the recyclers and pretty much chameleons or naive people. Uh, and people get held back at this uh, because of a lack of confidence or a need for security. Now, those are very real things. And we didn't, I didn't talk much about that, but we do need those things. Um, and again, ways to move forward. She talks about finding a mentor. Um, I think that's a great idea. A mentor, a life coach, a friend that you feel is wise and supportive and can be trusted. Uh, get feedback. Um, make sure you check credentials. You don't want to follow somebody blindly and not know their, their credentials, regardless of what field you're talking about. Um, and she talks about taking risks, taking care of yourself, examining your own image, and to work out the relationships in your life. Uh, so that's stage two. All right, so I'm going to get to stage three here, and I'm running short on time. So let's. I'm going to speed up a little bit. I hope that's okay. This is the stage where I really struggled. Uh, stage three is called power by achievement. Um, now I was raised to always work hard, uh, always do better. Your grades were important. The things that you said and did were important. Your responsibility levels were important. And even if I had done everything well, it was still something I always needed to do better at. Um, and that was actually said to me. Um, and it was also something that became an internal drive. I really felt like nothing I did was ever good enough and I had to achieve. I had to show, I had to prove that I was actually progressing. Um, and so this is the stage where I really pushed back with, when it was presented to me, because as I said, I perceived it as negative that somehow achieving and, and doing well in life was looked down upon when rather it's just one of the ways that we find our power. Now, I am somebody who is a big believer in education. However, I started my education later in life. I mean, I finished high school. Don't get me wrong. I started college right out of high school and then kind of got lazy, got in trouble. I was on my own. I ended up going in the military and I didn't come back to my education until I was in my 40s. And so that's when I earned my first degree. Um, as we've mentioned on this, on this podcast many times, I'm actually working on a doctorate. Uh, by the time I'm done with that doctorate, I will have five degrees. Now, I feel awkward saying that. And yet I also feel proud of saying that. And that's the conundrum here. I'm very happy and proud 
of my achievements. I have certifications. I have awards. I've won scholarships. I have degrees. Um, I've done a lot of things in life that I'm very, very proud of. And they serve their purpose. The problem at this stage is if you feel like you're only important if you're achieving. That's the problem. And so that was the disconnect for me. I felt like I was being told that none of my degrees matter, none of my successes or achievements mattered, that they were just really, you know, egocentric. And to some degree, they are egocentric. This stage is very egocentric. It is about a developing ego and and learning to trust yourself and to feel good about who you are. Um, So again, this is a stage in which there's some negative associated with it as it pertains to the Christian perspective because, uh, well, at least there was for me, I shouldn't say a blanket statement, but I was raised to believe that humility was a very large portion of Christianity and I was always to be humble. So if I felt good about achieving something that wasn't humble. So I had this conundrum going on. I was constantly trying to achieve, wanting to feel good when I did achieve and then feeling guilty that I achieved. And yeah, I'm a messed up person. Everybody should know that by now. Um, But it's terribly emotional. And again, this is the spot where I still get stuck uh, because I am still working on things that I'm, you know, I've got a book coming out in the fall. I'm working on a new degree. Um, Those are things I want to finish. I actually actually have another book coming out with with a friend of mine. So I am still continuing to achieve. I just am trying to learn that that doesn't make me okay as a person just because I've achieved, that that is separate from my achievements. And so I think that's what the characteristics here that she's trying to bring out. So one of the, one of the characteristics in the stage is, as I mentioned, a mature ego. You're trying to develop that ego so that it is healthy as much as the ego can be healthy because the ego is very demanding. Um, this is also, um, One of the most, she says this, one of the most exciting aspects of stage three is the energy and pace and the motivation. Usually if you're achieving, you have goals, you have, you do have task lists, you have ways to go through this stage and to get to the things that you want. It's competitive, right? And I'm a deeply, deeply competitive person. So this stage really works for me. Um, It's ambitious and you're working on trying to be an expert basically in whatever, you know, way in which you're moving through this stage. And so it, it's an exciting stage. And again, it was one that I really enjoyed. And so I don't want to think of it as something that's negative. Um, but I'll quickly go through the stages, uh, the shadows of this stage. One of them is the use of bravado um, to cover up emotional issues, addictions, whatnot. Um, it's, it's when you are presenting your best face so that people think you're successful. Um, again, Another series that we've spent some time on um, most recently as it pertains to mental health is that of imposter syndrome. This is a a season where imposter syndrome would rear its head. In other words, you are achieving, you've done all the work to achieve, but yet you're still using the sense of bravado to try and prove that you belong there or that you deserve the achievements that you've, that you've worked on. Um, So that's, that's a different, uh, it's a difficult I don't know. Like I said, I, I kind of liked this stage, still like this stage, feel very justified and defensive of this stage. Uh, but again, it is, it is centered around control. Uh, it's very, you know, active kind of dynamic. 
Um, and the characteristics of it, again, a mature ego, realistic and competitive, expert, ambitious, um, and the shadow, bravado, egocentric behavior, and greed. Greed, that, I mean, I didn't mention that before, but greed is a big one because that need to constantly have more can drive you and can really hurt you emotionally. Um, so again, ways to move through this, accept the potential change that crisis can bring. I don't know about you, but I hate that. I don't like crisis. I don't like stress. I don't like change. I don't like any of those things. Um, But that is a part of this, learning how to, that things are going to change. Learning to be alone, reflecting on yourself, trying new things that make you think differently, um, and actually creating crisis. Again, this isn't another area in which in Christianity, I I, I see a big connection. Um, how many of you, upon accepting Christ as your Savior, becoming involved in your local church, um, were told that God has a plan for you, that you have a ministry? And isn't it funny that everybody's ministry is always supposed to affect the entire world? Like, nobody's ministry is ever just meant to be, you know, with two or three people. And yet, Jesus spoke to individuals. Um and I remember going through this, really feeling like I'm supposed to have this big, powerful ministry. I'm supposed to be this big personality. And that's just our ego. I don't believe that that's what God has for us. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go on record and say, I don't know that I believe God has a plan for each one of us. And I know, I know, somebody's going to throw Jeremiah at me for I know the plans I have for you. Um, but I believe he was speaking pretty specifically to somebody to a group of people specifically, regardless, I think that you and I are each individuals and that we move through life towards those things that enrich us and draw us toward it. And that God goes with us wherever we go. And that his plan is just that we are who we're supposed to be. So I'm sure that differs from some of your perspectives, some of your thoughts on that. That's okay. We're allowed to be different. Um, But let's go on to stage four because I want to get through these. Power by reflection. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, power by reflection, to me anyway, seems to be the place where most people um, are starting to question. And that may come out as what we've commonly uh, coined as deconstruction. Um, Also may look like maybe a midlife crisis. Uh, It may drive other people around you crazy because you're constantly asking questions. You're now doubting. You're vacillating back and forth between viewpoints because you're trying to understand. And this is a good thing. I I think the stage is very, very positive, but I also think it has the potential to be very difficult and emotional. And so what does reflection mean? Well, it means that we're, we're evaluating. We're looking at a specific subject matter, or we're looking at ourselves, or we're looking at God, or we're looking at our lives and where we are in our lives. And we're trying to evaluate if that's where we want to be. So just like it says, we're reflecting on who we are, what we are, where we are, where we're going, all of those, all of the, the, the big questions of life. Um, so the power of the power at this stage is basically influence, right? You've, you've done all of these other things you have, you know, you, you, you've been powerless, but then you started to find some power by association. Then you found power by achievement. And now you have some, you have some, you have some time under your belt. You have some experience 
in your wheelhouse. And so now you're actually able to answer some questions. You're actually able to present some good questions and some good feedback. And so it, you become almost wise counsel at this point to everybody else, but within yourself, there's still that, that vacillation, that trying to understand, trying to get back to what is important. Um, so again, a characteristic of this stage is the reflective value of it, but confusion, as I said, you're, you're going back and forth, you're reasoning out things. So again, you may sound a little crazy to people for occasionally because you may present one side of an argument and then seem to only uh, jump to the other side to argue. Well, that's because you're trying to evaluate. You're trying to see it from all perspectives. That's a great thing. Um, so I don't think that there's a problem with that. Um, this stage actually is where people are really good at collaboration. So if we are talking about the business world, it's at this stage that people actually work well with others because their mind is more open to other possibilities. They're able to ascertain um, other ways of doing things and listen to other viewpoints. Okay. And it's kind of a strong perspective. Um, so I think, again, I find this to be a very positive stage and I know that's not the case with everybody. As I mentioned, other conversations I've had along the subject, I know other people have struggled greatly in this stage and feel it to be very emotionally hurt, uh, hurtful. Um, but I, again, it's a stage that you're becoming person, you know, comfortable with your own personal style, if you will. Um, you're learning how to mentor, you're showing leadership. And yet at the same time, you're still working on all of your stuff. Um, and as with all the stages, this, the shadow, um, there is an element of play acting here. Anytime that you feel like you're being looked up to, now you have to feel like you deserve that. So there's a sense of play acting. And again, that imposter syndrome may show back up. Um, you can easily get stuck in confusion. I am somebody, uh, you know, there's that old saying about um, paralysis by analysis. I don't know if you've heard that before, but I so identify with that statement because I take so much time to look at every perspective that often I can get stuck in not moving when I need to, not making a decision when I need to. And again, that's something I experienced with a lot of my clients, my business clients, um, which is what really kind of uh, stoked the interest in psychology for me because I felt like they were self-destructing. Um, it wasn't that the, any outside forces were destroying their business, but it was them themselves that could not move forward. So that's one of the shadows here is you get stuck in that confusion. And a lot of times we're misunderstood in this, in this, um, at this stage because we're vacillating and asking so many questions and people that are not at this stage don't understand what's happening. So now liken that to what I said about deconstruction. So you've started questioning, you've started rolling the answers around in your mind. You've, you've started debating with yourself and probably with other people. Um, how many of you, as you entered deconstruction and found this, first of all, you got quiet because you realized you knew nothing, but then as you began to study and hear new perspectives, suddenly you felt all this new control and power. And so now you're trying to argue with people. Um, and then after a while that kind of goes away. If, if you're there, that's kind of, it's going to go away because you're going to get tired. <laughs> it, it's hard to be, it's hard to be misunderstood all the time and you will be misunderstood all the time. <laughs> in that, in that process. Uh, so again, to recap the stage, um, it's a stage of influence and she calls it a sandwich stage because it, it kind of, it kind of encompasses several different things there. 
Um, it's a reflective stage. It's a confusing stage. Um, again, this, the shadows are play acting stuck in confusion and being misunderstood. And she says the ways to move this are to hit the wall. Now we're going to get to the wall in a minute. Uh, move beyond your intellect. Um, let go of control. Oh boy. Both of those are so easy for me. Not, um, face your shadows, go to your core, find intimacy with a higher power, take time out. And you also start to be, to see glimpses of wisdom. And I don't know if we, if we'll define that the same way, but there are, there is wisdom at this stage. We, we begin to see little glimpses of it, but now I'm going to talk about the wall because I really feel like this is a place that a lot of people get stuck. And for a lot of, a lot of time, most often I've been here a while and it takes a while to identify this. Um, I've again, vacillated back and forth, reflected for quite a while on what my wall actually looks like, what it's built up, you know, made out of. Um, I thought I knew, and then I had new insight just recently. Uh, but I want to tell you a story uh, that kind of pertains to this. Um, several years ago, and maybe I've shared this story before, so hang with me if I have. Uh, several years ago, I started running um, Spartan races. My daughters got very interested in them, and my daughter, my younger daughter, challenged me and said, I'd really like to run some of these races with you. Why don't you think about doing them? Well, if you don't know what a Spartan race is, I'm sure you've heard of uh, tough mutters or things like that, but they're obstacle races, basically. For the Spartans, there are three different levels. There's the sprint, um, oh shoot, the super and the beast. And now I think they've added a fourth. I think it's called the ultra beast or something like that. Anyway, each of the races are different lengths and have different numbers of obstacles. So I agreed to do this with my daughters because, you know, I'm a little nuts. And what's a few bruises? Um, first one I did, thought I was going to die. Um, actually wanted to a couple times. And by the time I got done, I looked like somebody had tried to kill me. Uh, had bruises covering my entire body. Uh, took quite a while to feel better from that one. But the second one, I actually did better. But in the second one, there was an obstacle. And it's this big A-frame that you climb up one side and climb down the other. And it sounds very simple. It sounds like a break, actually. And I kept thinking, oh, that obstacle is going to be almost a break. Like, I won't have to run. I just have to climb up this thing, climb over it. I can, you know, it, this one's easy. I was wrong. That's not easy for me. And because I have almost a crippling fear of heights and it, uh, it goes up pretty far. So I get to this obstacle and as I begin to climb it, all of a sudden I look around and I realize I'm getting higher and my daughter's behind me and I, I freeze. I can't move. I literally look up and think I can't get up there. And I look down and think, oh my God, I'm never going to get back down there. And I can't move. And I keep trying and my arms and legs literally will not function. Now my daughter's come up behind me and I'm you know, frantically trying to get her to go around me because I think maybe if she's in front of me and I can see her, maybe you know, I'll be able to do it. So she does. Didn't help. I am literally hanging on for dear life to this thing. And there's really no reason. <laughs> I could lean forward and let go and I'd be fine. But at the top, there was a woman sitting she was straddling the A-frame. And for whatever reason, she happened to lock eyes with me. And I must have looked panicked because she started yelling at me, you can do this. You can do this. Move your legs. Move your legs. And she started yelling. And I, I couldn't for a minute, but she would not relent. 
So eventually I did. I moved a little bit at a time and she just kept encouraging. She just kept yelling. She just kept telling me to move, move, move until I got to the top. Now going over the top is very dramatic. (laughs) It's scary if you have a fear of heights, but once I was on the other side, I felt much more secure and able to come down. Um, And I got down and I thought that was supposed to be so easy. And that was one of the most difficult parts of the entire experience. And I actually felt kind of embarrassed, to be honest. Um, That's what this looks like. Your wall is going to be your wall, whatever it is. It's the place that makes you stop and you almost feel frozen. You're not sure you can go forward anymore. You're not sure how to progress. And that's what happens in these stages. You have found your power through these different stages and suddenly you hit a wall and you don't know what it is. It takes a while and nobody can tell you. They can guess, but everybody's looks different because it's specific to you. It's very subjective. And so because of that, you're going to spend some time here. I I don't think I've met anybody that understands this process that has said, oh yeah, that part was easy for me. Everybody has struggled here. Um, So I'm going to be very vulnerable. I'm going to share a little bit with you as it pertains to my deconstruction. I have been going through the deconstructive process, the questioning phase of my life for about seven years now. I am so glad I didn't know it was going to take this long at the beginning. I don't know what I would have done. I'm not happy that it's taken this long. I'm certainly not done. Um, I don't feel I've arrived. I'm still questioning and I'm still banging my head against this wall. And I, for the life of me, was trying so hard to understand what the wall was. And where I am in this whole process is questioning God and his existence. So I'm figured out, oh, that must be my wall. The existence of God must be my wall until the other day. And I was having a conversation with one of my children and we were talking about these, about these stages of power. And we were, I was explaining them and all of a sudden I had this flash. It was one of those glimpses of wisdom, I guess, that my wall is not whether I believe in God or not. That's simply a symptom that I don't know how to trust myself. I have really poor self-image and self, um, I'm very difficult on myself and I don't trust myself. And because I chastised myself for so long when I started questioning and started changing my beliefs, I felt so ridiculous and stupid that I had missed things for so long. And so I, I found I didn't trust myself anymore and I still think I don't trust myself. And so knowing whether there's God or not involves me making a decision and I'm not sure I can trust my decisions. So I think at this point, I think that's my wall. Um, again, this is a very difficult transitional thing. Um, you know, it's, it's trying to get from reflection to finding your power from purpose and it's difficult to traverse. Um, and she makes a point of saying, this is not a physical wall. Well, obviously, but more, it's an ego wall. You are literally having to deal with yourself. This is where all of the questions come down to you. And what is at your core? And it's a daunting place to be. You're basically moving past your intellect. Again, you've probably ascertained, you know, or acquired different degrees or certifications or accomplishments that made you feel as though you were intelligent or, you know, somehow in control of something. So this is where suddenly you have to move beyond that intellect. It's not helping you. And that is frightening. Um, It's a loss of control. And I'm a control freak, so no fun for me. Uh, I'm sure there are, there are 
are those of you that can identify with that. Um, so this is where pretty much your shadows all come out to play. This is where all of your shadows come out and you have to start looking at them and dealing with them. And that's not an easy process. It's kind of um, frustrating. It's kind of saddening. It makes you angry. Um, because a lot of times there's things about ourselves that we have pushed down and not dealt with. And now we have no choice. If we want to progress, we have no choice. This is also the stage where many people will say, I'm done. I, I don't want, I don't need to go any further. And I had that experience as it pertained to my Christianity in questioning it. I found myself in a place where I was like, I just want to go back. I just want to go back to what I used to know. Maybe it was abusive and maybe it was wrong, but at least I understood my place in it. And I was used to it and it wasn't, it was scary in its own right, but not like this. I just want to go back. Um, and again, sharing this the other day with somebody, I said, even knowing now how painful this whole process has been, if I had it to do over, I still would. Because I really do believe there's going to be value on the other side of it. And the value is going to come from understanding me at a much deeper level and finding acceptance for myself. Um, I do want to say here, and I, I want to read this little section because I think this is very, po uh, very powerful. She says, as you proceed deeply into the wall and begin to experience the journey that takes you to your core, you will start to recognize sparks of wisdom. They are many faceted. You may get insights you've never had before, experience a peace you've never dreamed was possible, and discover that while hating the pain, you also have a deep sense that this work is absolutely the right thing to be doing. It's absolutely true. As I just said, I would do it again because it's worth it's worth the journey, even though it's a difficult journey. Um, but we do need to have support at this point in this point in our journey. We do have the, have to have those people that maybe they don't understand what we're going through, but that they love us regardless and they're there for us. That has to be a part of this um, because, I, as I said, this is very a very daunting stage. Um, and it will be difficult. So um, I hate to leave that conversation there because I feel like there's so much more for it, but I want to go on and get to these last two stages. Um, but I think a lot of people, that's where you're going to spend the majority of your time trying to understand this process. Um, okay. Stage five, power by purpose. Um, stage five is unlike all of the preceding stages. Um, the uniqueness of this stage lies in the strength of the, of the inner person, your inner being. Um, and it's more of an inner voice, uh, or if you will, from in spiritual language, it's maybe it's the Holy spirit. Um, but I, I think that we have an inner awareness, um, an inner connection to God or to a higher being. And as such, we know the answers. We just have to be able to trust ourselves to know that we know the answers. Um, so some of the characteristics of this stage are, is that you're self-accepting. God, that would be wonderful. That's how I know I'm not at the stage yet. That's how I know I'm still on the other side of that damn wall um, because I'm, I'm not there at self-accepting yet. Um, but it's, it's something that happens all that you and I'm just trying to explain it based on what I has been explained to me because I certainly haven't experienced this yet. Um, but that sense of I'm okay, 
um, there's a sense of, of courageousness associated with this stage and a, a sense of calm. Um, there's humility. You know, all of these things that we perceive as positives start to show up here. We actually begin to live from that place that we understand our, our place in the great, if you will. Uh, we have a purpose for being here. Um, we are okay. It's, we don't need to argue anymore. We are suddenly okay with allowing everybody else to have their time. Now I do experience that a lot. So maybe I'm having glimpses forward. I don't know. Um, again, there's still going to be shadows to these stages, even though it feels like we should have already done all this shadow work (laughs) at the wall. Um, but again, uh, one of the shadows of, of this stage is pseudo innocence. Um, you come across as very innocent to people, which leaves you kind of open to manipulation. You have to be very cautious about that, about who you're trusting. Um, you are also perceived by others as being impractical. Now, you know, you sometimes we've experienced that all already. I mean, as soon as you find peace in a circumstance and you no longer need to argue that circumstance, a lot of people are going to think that you're just being impractical and they're going to bait you and try and draw you back into those arguments. Um, you're also perceived by others to be underdeveloped or undeveloped. Uh, in other words, they don't understand why you can't pick a side anymore, that you're comfortable just being in the nebulous middle. Um, so, but the beauty of this is at this stage, you don't care about all that stuff. <laughs> so even the shadows are not really that, that important to you in this stage. Um, and I want to get to the final stage here. I've got only a few minutes left. Final stage, stage six, powered by wisdom. Um, I'm going to read this part here that she has. Being at stage six is like acting in a play and being in the audience watching it at the same time. Stage six people are very involved with life, yet detached from their involvement. They see from a different eye, hear with an unusual ear, and feel with a new heart. They are a paradox, even an oxymoron. For instance, they are content with themselves and with life, Yet at the same time, they are deeply moved by the pain and stress in themselves and in the rest of the world. They work on issues that will bring more peace or mercy to the world, yet they accept their own pain peacefully without a hint of martyrdom. This unusual behavior results from living their lives on a different spiritual plane than they ever have before. If I were going to liken this to buzzwords that are going around right now, I would liken this stage to that of reconstruction. This is where you're putting all the pieces back together. This is where you're seeing and deciding what fits and what doesn't, what's important and what can be left behind. And you are okay with all of it. I think this sounds like a fantastic place to be. And I have hopes that eventually I'll have that experience. Um, but again, I, I don't know very many people that probably are living their lives from this position. Uh, one of the things that pertains to the stage, and again, is another sticking point for me, is that these people are unafraid of death. Now, for those of you that have worked through any kind of deconstruction, I know that there's a point where you have to question hell. And when I did, I did that pretty early on. Eventually, what goes along with hell is the idea of heaven. So your whole system of eternity seems upended. And so I find myself avoiding the subject of death because I don't know anymore. 
I don't know what comes next. I used to believe very stringently in one thing, and now I don't know. And so I really want to avoid that subject matter. Now, ironically, I was telling a friend yesterday, um, one of the people that I have scheduled to come and sit with me on this podcast chose a book called, um, oh gosh, now it just went right out of my head. I believe it's by Ernest Becker, uh, Denial of Death. And we have not done that book yet. Honestly, I'm having a very hard time reading that book uh, because this is still a very large subject matter for me. So uh, I don't know a lot about this this stage, so I'm not going to say a whole lot. I'm just going to read her recap of it and so that you have all the information. So it's the description of the stage is self-sacrifice, soul of the earth. Uh, The characteristics are you're learning to integrate all of your shadow, um, your shadow, you know, personas or whatever you however you will, all the shadows that came from the previous stages, you're learning how to integrate those. Um, you're unafraid of death and you're, you're quiet in service. You have compassion for the world. Um, and what holds people back from this stage is human constraints. So that's where you have to kind of shove off those things. Uh, anyway, there's more to this book. As I said, it pertains to leadership in the business world. And so she actually does go into leadership and power within an organization. She actually does do several chapters on gender and how each of the genders, um, perceives these stages and go through it. So if you're interested in that part of the subject matter, definitely pick up the book. Um, I would suggest it anyway. Of course, I always suggest all the books I've read. I don't think I've not suggested one yet. Um, because I found real value here. And again, it's one that I go back to multiple times and still find new things in it. I also still find myself back in different stages often and have to have to own that. But anyway, thank you guys for struggling along with me with this noise in the background and um, hanging out with me as I'm on the road and recording in a hotel room. (laughs) Uh, The next time that I have a podcast come out. I will actually be at my destination. I don't know that I'll have my household yet, but I will actually be in house. So that will be exciting. Then it'll just sound kind of echoey probably. Anyway, thanks for hanging out with me. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. And if you don't read books, I don't know why not. You're missing so much. The whole world is at your disposal through a book. Anyway, uh, let me know what you think. There's a group in Facebook. For bookish, if you're interested, please ask to join that group. I'd love to have you there. I'd love to have some conversations there. Um, you can find bookish on any of the uh, podcasting platforms. And once again, um, thank you for joining me. I've had a good time talking about this book and sharing with you my vulnerabilities and my foibles. Take care, everybody, and go read a book. <laughs>